2: Episode two in another series of these famous stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle... ...is called The Retired Coloman. And here, as usual, to tell you the story
3: is Dr. Watson.
4: Thank you. It was late one summer afternoon. I returned from my club 221B Baker Street... ...to find Sherlock Holmes' gaunt figure stretched in his deep chair... ...his pipe curling forth slow reeds of acrid tobacco... While his eyelids drooped over his eyes so lazily that he might almost have been asleep, I recognized his melancholy and philosophic mood. His alert, practical nature was subject to such
5: reactions. Well, my dear Watson, did you see him? Uh,
4: who? Oh, the old fellow who's just gone out. Precisely. I met him at the door, yes.
5: How did you think of him?
4: Well, Pathetic. Futile, broken creature?
5: Exactly, Watson. Pathetic and futile. But is not all life pathetic and futile? Isn't his story a microcosm of the whole? We reach, we grasp, and what is left in our hands at the end? A shadow. Or worse than the shadow, misery.
4: Oh, oh, come, Holmes. Is he one of your
5: clients? I suppose so. He's been sent on by the yard, just as medical men occasionally send their incurables to a quack. They argue that they can do nothing more, so whatever happens, the patient can't be worse than he is.
4: What's the matter with him? Now, who is he, anywhere?
5: Mr. Josiah Amberley. Oh. He says he was junior partner of Brickfull and Amberley, manufacturers of artistic materials. He made his little pile, retired at the age of 61, bought a house at Lewisham and settled down to rest after a life of ceaseless grind.
4: Sounds a comfortable prospect.
5: Retired in 1896, Watson. Early in 1897, he married a woman 20 years younger than himself. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, good-looking too, if her photograph doesn't flatter. A competence, a wife, leisure. It looked like a straight road before him. Yet within two years, as you've seen, he is as broken and miserable a creature as crawls beneath the sun.
4: But what's happened, Holmes?
5: The old story. A treacherous friend and a fickle wife. Oh. It seems that Amberley has one hobby in his life, chess. Not far from him at Lewisham, there lives a young doctor, Dr. Ray Ernest, who is also a chess player. Ernest was frequently in Amberley's house. And an intimacy between him and Amberley's wife was the result.
4: That doesn't surprise me. Your crime doesn't look like a paragon of the graces.
5: The couple went off together last week. Destination so far, untraced. What's more, the woman carried off the old man's deed box by way of personal luggage. It had a good part of his life's savings in it. That's bad. So, Watson, can we find the lady? Can we save the money?
4: commonplace sort of case to bother you with, Holmes.
5: But vital enough to poor Josiah Amberley.
4: Well, that's so. What will you do, then?
5: What will you do, my dear Watson? Uh If you'll be good enough to understand me, that is. You know how preoccupied I am with this case of the two Coptic patriarchs. It should come to a head today. No, I really haven't time to go out to Lewisham. And yet... Evidence taken on the spot is of special value.
4: Well, uh, by all means, Holmes. I confess, uh, well, I don't see that I can be of much service, but I'm willing to do my best. Capital.
5: The old fellow was quite insistent that I should go. But I explained my difficulty. He's quite prepared to meet a representative. Oh,
4: excuse me, sir. I, uh... I beg your pardon, sir? Uh, I'm looking for the house of Mr. Josiah Amberley, the haven. I wonder if you'd happen to... There it is, straight across the road. Uh, Good heavens, I I must have walked straight past it. Often happens like that. Uh, I'm much obliged to you, sir. Of
6: course, I could hardly expect that so humble an individual as myself would merit the complete attention of so famous a man as Mr. Sherlock Holmes... Especially after my heavy financial loss.
4: I can assure you, Mr. Ambley, that the financial question does not arise.
6: No, of course. It's it's art for art's sake with him, I understand. Still, even on the artistic side of crime, he might have found something here to study. And human nature, Dr. Watson. Oh, the black ingratitude of it it all. Mr. Ambley I don't want... Tell me, when did I ever refuse one of her requests? Was ever a woman so pampered as that uh, one... M- Mr. Amberley... that young man? He might have been my own son. Had the run of my house and see how they've treated Mr. me. Mr. Amberley, sir! Oh, it's a dreadful world. Dreadful. It, uh, did you say something? I, I
4: was merely going to point out that if you continue to wave that paintbrush about like that... ...it wouldn't be long before you did your clothing.
6: I'm afraid the damage is done. Oh, oh. Oh, dear me. You see how this business has distracted me. I'm in the middle of painting this hall. You seem surprised, Doctor. One must do something to ease an aching heart. I'd started painting the house only the day before... before they disappeared. I thought I might as well carry on.
4: Very sensible indeed, Mr. Hamley. Oh,
6: but... Pray, step into my sanctum, uh, away from this paint smell. Oh, think.
4: Ah, that's better. Yes, yes, yes,
6: yes. Oh, pray, take a seat. Thank you. Good. Now then, where shall I begin my account? With my retirement and marriage, perhaps? Oh, no, 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 not necessarily at all. Uh, Mr. Holmes merely requested certain details.
4: Um... For example, the events of the actual evening of your wife's disappearance.
6: How shall I ever forget them? To think that I prepared a special treat for the shameless creature. A treat? The Haymarket Theatre. Oh. Two upper circle seats. A gay evening, I thought. Perhaps a little supper somewhere. But no, she produced a headache and refused to go. You see here, I have it here. Her very ticket, unused. Seat 31, row B.
4: Then you had to go alone.
6: I did. There I sat, all through the performance. Her empty seat beside me. Little did I realize what an ill omen it was.
4: You returned to find her gone.
6: Just so... But that was not all. Oh? You you see this door? Yes. It's iron, painted to look like wood. It's my strong room. Safe as a bank, I always thought. But not where she was concerned. Ah. Your deed box was taken, I believe. Deed box. Cash, securities. About 7,000 pounds worth. She must have had a duplicate keep. I see. Uh, but
4: securities, how could they hope to dispose of these? My
6: one remaining hope is that they can't. I've given the police a list in the hope they'll prove unsalable. Very wise.
4: Then, Mr. Amberley, there was no note, no message from your wife?
6: I've heard no word from or about her since I left to go to the theater that fateful evening, leaving her alone here with her... Headache. Not one single word, Dr.
5: Watson. And the seat number was 31, you say, Watson? You're quite sure?
4: Yes, positive. My old school number.
5: Excellent. Then his own seat was either 30 or 32. Row B. Yes. Well, Watson,
4: have you told me all? I think so. Oh, did I say that he tore up a photograph of his wife in my presence? no. I never wish to see her damned face again, he cried. His money before his wife, I fancy. Yeah, without a doubt. Ah, there was one more thing, Holmes. Yes, Watson. Uh, well, it doesn't concern Amberley directly, but... Go on. Well, I told you how I somehow missed Amberley's house at first and had to ask a fellow standing about at the other side of the road. Mm-hmm. Well, this chap, he was tall, dark, heavy moustache, rather military-looking. I thought he gave me a rather curious look when I mentioned Amberley's name... But later, when I drove back to Blackheath Station, I saw him again getting out of a cab that had been following along behind mine. And then, just as I was getting into the train, I saw him nip into the next compartment as though he didn't wish to be seen. You know, Holmes, I'm convinced the fellow was following me.
5: <laughs> Tall, did you say? Yes. Heavy moustache, tinted sunglasses.
4: Well, I didn't say he had sunglasses on, but now that you mention it, He had.
5: He wore a masonic type in. Holmes, how on earth... Quite simple, my dear Watson. But let us get down to what is practical. I must admit that a case which seemed to be so absurdly simple as to be hardly worth my notice... ...is rapidly assuming a very different aspect. It's true that in your mission you've missed everything of importance... Holmes. Yet even those things which have obtruded themselves on your notice... ...give rise to serious thought.
4: What have I missed?
5: Don't be hurt, my dear fellow... No one else would have done better. But clearly, you've missed some vital points. What do the neighbors think about Amberley and his wife? What of Dr. Ernest? Was he the gay Lothario one would expect? Surely these are of importance. Well, I... With your natural advantages, Watson, every lady is your helper and accomplice. What about the girl at the post office or the greengrocer's wife? I can picture you whispering soft nothings with the lady of the blue anchor... Receiving hard somethings in exchange. All this you've left undone. It can still be done. It has been done. Thanks to the telephone and the help of Scotland Yard, I can usually get my essentials without leaving this room. As a matter of fact, my information confirms Amberley's own story. He's the local reputation of being a miser, as well as a harsh and exacting husband. It's also certain that he had a large sum of money in that strongroom. Well, then... And it's common gossip that young Dr. Ernest played chess with Amberley and probably played the fool with his wife. It all seems plain sailing. And yet... And yet... Where's the difficulty? In my imagination, perhaps. Well, leave it there, Watson. Let us escape from this weary, workaday world by the side door of music. Corina sings tonight at the Albert Hall. We still have time to dress, dine, and enjoy. Well, Holmes,
4: well, where have you been all day?
5: As I told you in the note I left for you to find at breakfast, there were one or two points I wished to clear up regarding Mr. Josiah Amberley. Has he been here yet? Amberley, no. Come in. Ah, Mrs. Hudson.
2: There's a Mr. Amberley to see you, sir.
5: Show him in, Mrs. Hudson.
2: Very good, sir.
4: Mr. Josiah Amberley.
5: Ah, Mr. Amberley. Please step inside.
6: Thank you. Mr. Holmes, I've had a telegram... Uh, I can make nothing of it.
5: Thank you. Come at once without fail. Can give you information as to your recent loss, Elman the Vicarage. Hmm. Dispatched at two ten from Little Purlington. Now Watson hmm? hand on my Crockford, if you please. You're right, Hell. Little Purlington's in Essex, isn't it? Yes, not far
4: from Frinton. Uh. Ah.
5: E. L. Elman. Yes, here we have him. J. C. Elman, M. A. Living of mossmore Come, little purlington And now, Mr. Amberley, you must start at once. But I don't understand. Will you look up a train for our friend, Watson? I am doing... Good fellow.
4: So, Mr. Holmes, Liverpool will you... Street, 520, Holmes.
5: Excellent, excellent. You'd best go with Mr. Amberley, Watson. He may need help or advice. It's clear we've come to a crisis in this affair. But it's perfectly
6: absurd, Mr. Holmes. What can this country vicar possibly know of what's occurred? It's a waste of time and money.
5: He would scarcely have telegraphed if he didn't know something. You should wire him at once that you're coming. I don't think I shall go. Mr. Amberley, it would make the worst possible impression both on the police and upon myself if you should refuse to follow up so obvious a clue. We should feel that you were not really in earnest in this investigation.
6: If you look at it that way, of course I shall go. On the face of it, it seems absurd to suppose that this parson knows anything, but if you
5: think... I do think. Now, hurry along, sir, and Dr. Watson shall catch you up at the telegraph office at the corner.
6: Oh, very well, then. A waste of time and money, in my opinion. Pouring money down the drain.
5: (laughs) I say. Watson, whatever you do, see that he really does go. If he breaks away from you or decides to return, get to the nearest telegraph office and send the single word, "bolted." I'll arrange here that it shall reach me wherever I am.
4: Little Perlington isn't an easy place to reach. My remembrance of the journey isn't a pleasant one. The weather was hot, the train slow, and my companion sullen and silent. He hardly talked at all, save to make an occasional sardonic remark about the futility of our proceedings. When we at last reached the station, it was a two-mile drive before we came to the vicarage, where a big, solemn, rather pompous clergyman received us in his study. Our telegram lay before him.
3: Well, gentlemen, what could I do for you?
4: Uh, we came in answer to your wire, Mr. Ellman.
3: My... my wire? Yes. I sent no wire.
4: Uh, I mean the one you sent to Mr. Josiah Ambley about his wife and his money.
3: If this is a joke, sir, it is a very questionable one. No, oh, I
6: assure you.
3: I have never heard of the gentleman you name, And I have not sent a wire to anyone.
6: I knew it would be a wire well, to...
4: Uh, perhaps there is some mistake... Are there two vicarages, perhaps?
3: There is only one vicarage, sir, and only one vicar. The wire you refer to is obviously a scandalous forgery, the origin of which shall certainly be investigated by the police. Meanwhile, gentlemen, I can see no possible object in prolonging this interview. Holmes? Is that you, Holmes? Yes, my dear Watson.
4: How are things proceeding? They aren't, Holmes. The vicar never sent any such wire. He was very annoyed.
5: Holmes, are you still there? Most singular. Most remarkable. I very much fear, my dear Watson, that there is no return train tonight. I have unwittingly condemned you to the horrors of a country inn. However, there is always nature, Watson. Nature and Josiah Amberley. You can be in close commune with both.
4: <laughs> Thank you very much, Holmes.
5: Don't mention it, my dear fellow. Good night.
4: Good night.
6: Well, what did he say?
4: He said it was a most remarkable business.
6: Remarkable? I should prefer the word expensive. Our railway fare Third here... Third class, Why I pay more. And now a hotel bill. It's monstrous. Monstrous. I shall have a word to say to Mr. Sherlock Holmes tomorrow. Very well, sir.
4: We'll drive directly to Baker Street from the station. And now we'd better make arrangements for tonight. I warned Holmes by telegram at the time of our arrival at Baker Street next day. But when we got there, we found a message to say that he was at Lewisham and would expect us there. That didn't improve Ambley's temper. It was a surprise to me... But an even greater one was to find that Holmes was not alone at Amberley's house. In the sitting room, a stern-looking, well-built man sat beside him. A dark, heavily mustached man, wearing tinted sunglasses and sporting a large masonic pin in his thigh. Ah, gentlemen.
5: Allow me to introduce my friend, Mr. Barker. Mr. Amberley? Uh, Dr. Watson, you have met already.
6: Uh, how do you do? Pleased to meet you. Mr. Holmes, I have a
5: word to say. Not only have
6: I been subjected to the greatest inconvenience and expense upon your advice, but I now arrive home to find that you've invited a stranger into my house without a, without a by your leave I must... Mr. I...
5: Barker has been interesting himself in your business, too, Mr. Amber. I repeat, I must... A... In my business. We have been working independently of one another, you understand? But we both have the same question to ask you now. Question... What question, Mr Holmes? What did you do with the bodies? Great heaven. No. No,
6: You shan't ask that. Uh, get hold of him, all uh, right? I've got... Barker. I and in no. You yes, shan't sir. make me answer. You look, shan't answer. look out, he's yeah. taking something. His arm. he's holding. hold right.
5: No, no, let me be. Come
6: oh, down. Hold still. Confound you.
5: Well done, Barker. No shortcuts, Emily. Things must be done decently and in order. I may as well take him straight to the station. Uh, shall I tell the inspector you'll be coming along? You'll want to examine this house sooner or later. I fancy he won't object to meeting me here. Very well, I'll come back with him. Now, come on, you!
6: Come, Any Nonsense, and i your near thing,
4: Holmes. It was a poison capsule. Look.
3: Hmm.
4: Holmes, this Barker.
5: My hated rival upon the Surrey shore. Rival? When you described him, it wasn't difficult for me to complete the picture. He has several good cases to his credit. His methods are irregular, like my own. We irregulars are useful sometimes, you know.
4: <laughs> well, Holmes, let's hear what it's all about, eh?
5: All in good time, my dear Watson. The inspector will be along shortly for the same account. By your leave, I'll enjoy a few minutes' quiet smoke and the effects for your delectation. I just want to make this clear before you begin, Mr. Holmes.
2: Don't imagine that we hadn't formed our own views of this case and that we wouldn't have laid our hands on the man. You'll excuse us for feeling sore when you jump in with methods which we can't use and so rob us of the credit.
5: There shall be no such robbery, Inspector McKinnon. I quite agree that with your compulsory warning about whatever he said being used against him, you could never have bluffed that rascal into what was virtually a confession. I assure you that I have faced myself from now onwards. As to Mr. Barker here, he has done nothing save what I told him. That's quite correct. Well, that's very handsome of you, Mr.
2: Holmes. Praise or blame can't matter much to you. It's different for the police when the newspapers start asking questions.
5: Quite so. But they're pretty sure to ask questions anyhow. So it would be as well to have the answers. What uh, will you say, for example, when the intelligent and enterprising reporter asks you what the exact points were which aroused your suspicion and finally gave you a certain conviction as to the real facts? Well, no, I... I...
2: (laughs) Well, uh, Well, we don't seem to have got any real facts yet. You say that the prisoner practically confessed that he murdered his wife and her lover by trying to commit suicide in the presence of three witnesses. What uh, other facts have you?
5: Have you arranged for such? Aye,
2: there are two constables on their way.
5: Then you'll get the clearest fact of all. The bodies can't be far away. Try the cellars and the garden. It shouldn't take long to dig up the likely places. This house is older than its water pipes, so there must be a disused well somewhere... Try your luck there. But uh, how did you know there'd been murder?
4: Yes, Holmes. How was it done?
5: I'll show you first how it was done, Inspector. And then I'll give you the explanation which is due to you. And even more to my long-suffering friend, Dr. Watson, who has been invaluable throughout. But first, I'd like you to consider this man Amberley's mentality. It's a very unusual one. So much so that I think his destination is more likely to be Broadmoor than the scaffold.
2: that so. Uh, please, go on, then.
5: He has, to a high degree, the sort of mind one associates with the medieval Italian nature rather than with the modern Britain. He was a miserable miser who made his wife so wretched by his niggardly ways that she was a ready prey for any adventurer. Such a one came upon the scene in the person of this chess-playing doctor... Amberly excelled at chess. One Mark Watson of a scheming mind. Oh, really? Like all misers, he was a jealous man. And his jealousy became a frantic mania. Rightly or wrongly, he suspected an intrigue. He determined to have his revenge. And he planned it with diabolical cleverness. Have a look here. This is his so-called strong room. Oof, <coughs> stinking paint. That was our first clue. <sighs> you can thank Dr. Watson's observation for that. Though well, he failed to draw the inference, it set my foot on the trail. Uh,
4: I still don't understand, hope.
5: Ask yourself, Watson. Why should this man at such a time be filling his house with strong odors? Obviously to cover some other smell which he wished to conceal. Some guilty smell which would suggest suspicions.
4: You mean decomposition, but there hasn't been time for...
5: No, 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 nothing of the sort. Add to the suspicious matter of the smell the fact that there existed such a room as you see here with a sealed iron door. Put the two facts together, and where do they lead? Blessed if I know. No, me too. Well, let it pass for now. I was already certain that the case was serious. Because I had examined the box office charts at the Haymarket Theatre... ...another of Dr. Watson's bullseyes... ...it showed that neither B-30 nor 32 of the upper circle... ...had been occupied on the night in question.
4: Then he lied. He never went to the theatre.
5: And so his alibi fell to the ground. He made a bad slip when he let you see his wife's unused ticket, Watson. Yes. The only way I could satisfy my suspicions about the smell of paint... ...and the existence of this sealed room was to examine the house itself. The question was, how was I to achieve this? I know. Ah, Now I see it. Yes, Watson. I sent an agent to the most impossibly remote village I could think of and summoned Amberley to go there at such an hour that he couldn't possibly get back the same day.
4: And sent me with him to make sure he really went.
5: The good vicar's name I simply got out of my Crockford. Masterly. Brilliant. There being no fear of interruption, I proceeded to burgle the house. Burglary has always been an alternative profession, if I'd cared to adopt it. I've little doubt I should have reached the front rank. (laughs) Oh, Mr. Holmes. Anyway, see what I found. You see the gas pipe along the skirting board? Yes. Very good. It rises in the angle of the wall, and there's a tap in the corner. Uh, Now, follow me. Into the strong room. Mm -hmm. You see that plaster rose in the center of the ceiling? Yes. The pipe finishes there with an open end. At any moment, by turning the outside tap, this room could be flooded with gas. With its door closed and the tap full on, I wouldn't give two minutes of consciousness to anyone shut in here. Mm -hmm. That's where I am. By what devilish devices he decoyed them in there, I don't know. But once inside, they were at his mercy.
2: I've seen enough of that place.
4: So Mm -hmm. he started painting the house to cover up any smell of gas afterwards, Holmes.
5: Precisely. He claimed to have started painting that day before their disappearance. But he should have said the day after.
2: Well, what's
5: next? Then came an incident which I hardly expected. I was slipping out again through the pantry window at early dawn today when I felt a hand grab my collar, and a voice said, Now, you rascal, what are you doing in there? <laughs> when I could twist my head round, I recognized my friend and rival, Mr. Barker.
2: Mm-hmm. So, uh, just where do you come into this, Mr. Barker?
6: Well, I've been engaged by the family of Dr. Ray Ernest to make some investigations. i would come to the conclusion there'd been foul play like Mr. Holmes. I've been watching this house for several days. I'd marked you down, Dr. Watson, as one of the most suspicious characters to visit the place. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I could hardly detain you. But when I saw a man actually climbing out of the pantry window this morning, I couldn't restrain myself.
5: And there you are, Inspector. You have all the particulars. I hand them over to you and step right out of the case. Well, on behalf of the
2: force, many thanks, Mr. Holmes. It seems a clear case, the way you put it.
5: You'll get results, Inspector, by always putting yourself in the other fellow's place and thinking what you would do yourself. It takes imagination, but it pays.
4: <coughs> yes, Holmes, what about the missing money and security?
5: Oh, they'll be found in some safe place where Emily hid them. There was no robbery.
4: Ah. Well, you've met every point, Holmes. There's only one last thing puzzles me. Oh. Amberley couldn't avoid notifying the police of his wife's
5: so-called disappearance, but
4: why was he fool enough to go to you as well?
5: Oh, pure swank. He felt so clever and so sure of himself that he imagined no one could touch him. He could say to any suspicious neighbor, look at the steps I've taken. I've consulted not only the police, but even Sherlock Holmes.
6: <laughs>
2: I'll have to forgive you that uh, even Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yes, it's as work, but like a job as I can remember. There you heard Robert Langford and Kenneth Baker as Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Others in the cast were Beth Boltler, George Gorellen, Tony J, Louis Ife, and Frank Douglas. At the same time next week, you can hear another Sherlock Holmes adventure
3: called The Three Gables.